Welcome to the Business of Security podcast bonus episode number 13. Your host is Chad Beckman. Today, he'll be talking with guest Adam Stone, Chief Privacy Officer at Secure Digital Solutions. Now, let's get to it. What does the industry need to start talking about that we're not doing today? Information technology is built on a horrible foundation. If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. If you don't invest in it and keep it running, it will blow up. We also have to be able to go in with solutions, not just problems. We have a long way to go if we're going to win this fight. At the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure against all the threats, the threats, the threats, the threats. Today, joining me on the Business of Security podcast is our very own Adam Stone, um, Principal Consultant and Chief Privacy Officer for Secure Digital Solutions. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you could make some time to talk to us today. Um, We're going to be speaking about CCPA, uh, the California Consumer uh, Privacy Protection Act. Did I get that correct? Well, almost. Okay. Almost. okay. California Consumer Privacy Act. Privacy Act. I threw yep. an extra P yep. in there. Yep. So I must have gotten confused with it. If you want to be very formal about it, it's the California, uh, California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018. All right. Uh, Assembly Bill 375. Wow. That's very specific. I know. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of nerdy that way. so. <laughs> and that's why we like you so mm-hmm. much. Um, so, Adam, give us a little background for our listeners uh, to what really got you into privacy, security, kind of the risk management space, and um, how long you've been at this thing. Oh, geez. I've been doing uh, privacy and security for almost 20 years now. And I started back in the day working for financial services and, and uh, insurance uh, back then, it, this was in the two thousand. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the uh, HIPAA had come out, hmm. and though its rulemaking was not complete yet, by by uh, two thousand, it had already produced uh, HIPAA, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of nineteen ninety six. I say with uh, red face uh, that uh, that law put out uh, its first. Regulation in 2000, it came from the Health and Human Services Department, and that was called the Privacy Rule. And a few years after that came the Security Rule, the HIPAA Security Rule. And uh, during that time as well, we had another law uh, passed during the Clinton era uh, called uh, the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act of 1999. And among other things, that law had some uh, new provisions or made uh, a little bit clearer this issue of uh, banks and computerized records as uh, even back then 1999 there were still a lot of paper records going along uh, though congress did take note of the fact that computers were becoming a thing and uh, as such set some rules for for that sort of information and so i uh, was kind of enmeshed in both hipaa and glb at the time and really kind of fell in love with with uh, several aspects of privacy and security through those regulations. I know it's kind of strange to be enamored with regulations, but but uh, they are complex, and it takes a certain type of individual to interpret what they're saying and to put it into plain language and to put it into action in corporations. While doing that, 
not break the bank. Try to come up with the most effective yet efficient solutions. Something practical. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So um, that kind of brought you to the forefront of uh, the recent, most recent uh, privacy regulations. Um, what is the, you know, based on meeting with customers and having conversations and conducting uh, projects, what would you say is the number one or maybe even the top two most commonly asked questions um, and or regulations that uh, companies today, let's say over the last uh, 18 months, have been pursuing? Well, I think the, the, the clear winner in that, uh, in that case would be uh, GDPR. Uh, the General Data Protection Regulation. We've heard it uh, many times before in this podcast, I believe. And uh, that certainly got a lot of uh, or organizations' attention. And uh, interestingly, it got uh, organizations of all sizes to really kind of pay attention. We happen to, I happen to, uh, have a lot of focus with the small and mid-sized organizations that are as they are just as impacted by this issue as the very large corporations and uh, as such they they need the same sorts of controls in place though they may not be as uh, sophisticated as as some very large company there's certainly a need obviously secondarily would be would be CCPA would be the California Consumer Privacy Act and uh, though there's certainly a lot of interest uh, certainly the CEOs of companies have heard that acronym. They are aware that there's something afoot in California. They are not entirely certain what it's all about, who it applies to, and whether they should be worried about it today or whether they can file that into a worry for next quarter or next year. So you're fielding a lot of those questions oh, currently yeah. and yeah. helping them to prioritize and and not only prioritize, but understand the impact these regulations have on their business. Mm -hmm. Between the two, and now you know we're talking about privacy regulation, GDPR versus CCPA, and, and likely that's going to be the sub or the title of this podcast. Uh, but what is the uh, which one of those two are perhaps the furthest reaching and impact the most number of companies uh, at a macro level? Oh boy, that's a that's an interesting question, and I would say, in many ways, if you take it at the macro level, I think both laws have the potential to impact about the same number of corporations and people generally. They will, in their own way, uh, in the United States, most companies that are anything of anybody, they, and if they sell something, they are going to sell that to California uh, mm -hmm. residents. And if they sell to California residents and those residents fall into scope of CCPA, then you have a compliance issue to, to worry about. So in essence, the scope is just as broad sim based simply on the population. Is that a, cor a correct assumption? The population of the California versus the population of, uh, I don't know, the EU? Is that a fair uh, comparison or, or not really? There, the, the laws, as I see it, come from two different places. And GDPR comes from 
Europe's very long history of data privacy concerns, going back to the early 30s. and 1930s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, fascism has a way of uh, kind of, you know, making people interested (laughs) in privacy. That's true. And uh, so they really, the, the Europeans come at this, issue from a very different place than than uh, the folks in California. Mm-hmm. As such, I, I think that there are, are really some important differences that one could uh, articulate between the two, but they, uh, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They're coming from different sources for different reasons, but ultimately the the scope and broadness is generally comparable between GDPR and CCPA. I think so, and that's based on just the blunt force of California's population. It, it, it is a very populous state, as we know. Los and, Angeles and, is over 16 million people alone, yeah. I believe. Yeah. It is, so it, most organizations need to sell their products or services to folks that live in California. Yeah, yeah, And that's just the way it is. So if I'm an organization and I started down GDPR path because that came first, let's be fair, the Europeans uh, released GDPR, which GDPR was uh, um, kind of a a new revision based on um, Safe Harbor, if I'm not mistaken, correct? The EU Safe Harbor Directive, um, sort of a rewrite of that, right? Right. They uh, and j- just to be clear, it was called the Data Protection Directive or DPD. Thank you. Yes, but the Safe Harbor is is connected to it in a way that perhaps we could have a different conversation. <laughs> that's true because that's the U.S. Time. That's yeah. the U.S. angle. Yep, on it. exactly. All right. So not to confuse matters here, sticking back to GDPR versus uh, CCPA. Organizations started down the path. Well, when was this, Adam? Late 2016, early 2017, really just starting to understand the impacts and the scope of GDPR? Or is that perhaps uh, a little too early? We didn't see a lot of activity around GDPR until almost mid 2017. Yeah, I. would agree with your latter statement. I I saw a number of organizations that were in denial mode and wanted to uh, find any opportunity to say, nope, we don't apply to GDPR doesn't apply to us based on our knowledge. And of course they, they come around over time, but uh, that uh, I think is a very natural reaction for, for companies and for CEOs to, you know, they don't want additional <laughs> regulation right. placed on them. So If it doesn't save them money or make them money, yeah. then they want to put their head in the sand at least for a period of time. They, at least and, with that uh, subject. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, And then we fast forward to uh, 2018, uh, roughly about a year later. Uh, approximately when did California pass uh, what we know today as uh, CCPA, the acronym, they passed it in late June of late this June. year. So it was about mid-year. Yeah. It's almost a year mm-hmm. um, from GDPR, close to it. Uh, so what have we learned so far, knowing that we are about six months um, from that time or so? Um, what have we learned as an industry, uh, as a society so far about the impacts of CCPA and what organizations need to contemplate and consider as they – weigh the priorities between, let's say, getting ready for GDPR versus pursuing this new CCPA requirement? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. We do feel that a lot. 
And I think that the, the short answer is that a lot of the work, if an organization has already started down a path with GDPR and started implementing some of the uh, processes that are necessary to facilitate uh, the rights of folks in the EU, they'll be already kind of getting into that muscle memory of uh, based on GDPR to be able to then transfer that uh, knowledge in some ways to California. There are some key differences, and, and but there are a lot of similarities as well. And we hear uh, a lot of different news articles. Well, when, when CCPA first came out, we did hear a lot of sensational articles saying it's this is the United States version or California's version of GDPR. And, you know, there are some similarities, but there are differences too. What are the key differences between the two? I think that's what uh, listeners would want to be keenly understand as they have these conversations and contemplate the impacts to their business. Boy, that's an interesting question. I could probably go through an entire podcast uh, alone just talking sure. uh, about that. Uh, they, top, yeah, go ahead. Two, top three to five items, perhaps, uh, that really stand out to you when you consult with uh, organizations and they say, well, we've already started down this GDPR path. Help us understand what's different about CCPA. Mm -hmm. Well, before we talk about that, perhaps we we could talk a little bit about what is roughly similar. Oh, sure. And and that so some of the rights that folks have under uh, GDPR. Uh, one of them, which is a pretty, still pretty controversial, at least it was, it, it was initially, and it probably still is for some very large uh, organizations that we won't name, but but uh, it, it's the right to be forgotten, the so-called, and what that means in essence is that organizations need to, upon request by an individual, or we'll call that person a data subject, they need the organization needs to erase or delete certain personal data about that individual. California has the same type of, of mechanism at this at this point. Now, there uh, to talk about that, then we could talk about a few of the differences, such as the the sorts of ent- entities that are covered under California versus under GDPR. Uh, GDPR, for instance, covers a wider range of entities broadly than California does. And in fact, there's there's a, a scoping routine that I go through to help people understand, you know, are, are we in, are we out? Uh, With regard this, to CCPA? Yeah. Is this something that we, you know, it's going to apply to us? So let's cover that. That would be very interesting. So uh, we can do a, a little bit of role playing here. I'm uh, an executive of a company. I've engaged you to help me understand the differences. Take me through what are the uh, these top four questions that uh, you would ask of me as a uh, business leader to determine the scope of CCPA for my company. Yeah, that's that's great. Thank you. And, and the first thing I would ask: Are you a nonprofit? Oh, interesting. So nonprofit has a uh, implication here, it, right? Nonprofits are out. That's uh, is that non- right? Nonprofits are out. So let's the, say I'm a I'm a I am no is the answer to that question. Okay. 
I am a for-profit business. Okay. So uh, let's start through some of the questions here. In fact, I'm going to ask you, as you, you had intimated a few moments ago, that there I have uh, two basic uh processes that are broken that that are collectively sort of the decision making uh scheme that that i have in place i've actually created a little decision flow out of that uh, the first thing i have to ask is are you a corporation or a sole proprietorship limited liability company association uh, or any legal an- or any other legal entity that's organized for the profit or financial benefit of its shareholders or owners uh, that covers pretty much any profitable business. I would say yes. Yes, you're darn, you're darn too. So you can see right there, that's an easy one. We are a business indeed. The second question is: Do we do business with folks in California? Hmm. Okay. So role playing here. Let's say yes. Okay, that sounds great. How do you know that they're in California? How do you? Uh, uh, how do you? I would say that? by you know, let's say we're mailing widgets. It would be you know, well, their mailing address says it's uh, you know San Bernardino County. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might be Los Angeles, or whatever. Pick a pick a city in California, right? Well, that's yeah, that's about right. Okay. You know, California residents. My third question is: Do you collect personal information about? those folks in California? Oh, that's a can of worms, Adam. Um, so are, do we define <laughs> – I before we recorded this podcast, I told you I was not going to get into the weeds on defining personal information. But now I understand why this is very important. So first name, last name, phone number, mailing address, billing address, mm-hmm. is that considered – what, what most people say, well, we can find that in the phone book um, when phone books were relevant at one point. Uh, is that considered personal information? Yeah. And, and there's a whole host of, of other data elements as well. Okay. In fact, there is some discussion, some debate over which is wider in its definition, GDPR or oh, CCPA. Okay. okay. They both are very robust, and they co- they send out a very wide net. Hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the basic demographic information, uh, things like biometric information, things like uh, commercial information, such as uh, records of personal property or products bought or sold, uh, obtained, uh, con- consumer histories, all sorts of, of marketing data. These are all swept in. Hmm. If they are linked to an individual that is in California, if if we have a, a known link between individual A and all this data, it's in. It's in scope. Yep. Okay. Is, is there a volume requirement? Meaning I have to have so many customers that reside in or call California home or residents thereof, even if it's not home. Um is there a certain number of people that a threshold I have to meet as a business that I do business with in order to be in scope for CCPA? Yeah, in fact, there are. Uh, but along my uh, continuum of questions here that uh, that I'm asking, that actually is, is that the, the end? very end. Oh, exactly. I'm trying to get to so, the uh, well. That's exit. I, I'll try to make it as quick as no, possible. No, so this is good. Let me just let me just go back on on my decision flow here. So the first okay. question is: Are you are you a company? Yes. Okay. Then it says: Do you do business with folks in California? Yes. Then it says: Do you collect personal information? 
Yes. The last question is, and this is important, do you control the purposes and the means of processing that those that personal information about folks. So the purposes and means. So the purpose for me as an organization that's selling widgets online is so that I can ship them the widget they paid for. Let's just say I'm an yeah. online retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the second part of it? Do, uh, Processing do, and uh, do you uh, do you determine or control the purposes and means of processing? Okay, purpose and means. So mm-hmm. I, I think, generally speaking, and do you have a circumstance where somebody might answer uh, no? You to that? just you just gave it to me. Let's say that we're a manufacturer. We sell widgets. We yeah, yeah. keep track of our manufacturing process on, say, okay. an ERP okay. uh, package, an enterprise resource planning, or mm-hmm. something similar, and uh, we then sell. And ship whatever that thing is. We we need to obviously know some information about those individuals that we're shipping to. We will have that in our computer systems. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, in that case, we do control the purposes and the, and the means because we use our shipping systems to send out the information. Let's take a short break and hear a success story from our sponsor, TrustMap, the business management system for security leaders. Hey, everybody. This is Chad Beckman, uh, CEO of TrustMap. And today joining me is uh, Aaron Pritz. Aaron has spent 17 years in a Fortune 500 pharmaceutical company. Now he runs Reveal Risk. Uh, Given his background, Aaron provides a very unique perspective, uh, having managed risk, compliance, privacy, and security strategy across uh, multiple lines of management. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks. Can you give us a, a little bit of uh, background information on uh, how you discovered TrustMap and uh, what you see that is really different about it in the marketplace? Yeah, so I, I personally had a lot of, uh, I would call it pain and suffering from GRC and a lot, a lot of my industry colleagues had uh, represented the same. So I initially found TrustMap in searching for a GRC alter- alternative or better said, a, an alternative to GRC altogether. Um, and I kind of, uh, I would say, accidentally found TrustMap and really found that it was everything I was hoping to get out of it, out of a GRC, but far more. Um, so I would really use it to si- simplify both um, within clients that I work with now, or if I were to ever to go back to a corporate leadership role, um, I use it to evaluate uh, security programs as well as privacy at the asset level, at the program level. Um, I think it would it is a strong input into um, building an improvement strategy and being able to see where you are doing well and where you are not doing well. Uh, and then also measurement and tracking is one of the, uh, I would say, no-brainer things but sometimes hardest to do. And I think TrustMap provides a, a really good um, angle into being able to measure and track commitments against your investments uh, throughout time. And then uh, most importantly, it really provides a way to communicate um, all of these messages upward to uh, both executive committees and board of directors with some solid um, visual aids and very simple um, ways to display um, progress goals and outcomes. Uh, And ultimately, you can drop two to five million dollars over five years um, and a sizable staff to put in one of the legacy GRC offerings. But to me, I would just use TrustMap uh, for most of everything I would need out of the GRC and everything that 
GRC doesn't do, which is really um, a lot of the program and maturity measurement and management um, that really allows you to move the ball forward. Great. That's a awesome uh, feedback and perspective uh, based on your experience in the industry. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to leave our listeners with in uh, considering a solution to do their job better? Um, I would say focus on business risk. We're in a time right now where a lot of security programs are starting to get funding and starting to um, have to spend money. And that's not a bad thing, but I think without a plan, without a way to figure out where your risks are from a true business standpoint, not not technology, which is a flaw that a lot of us uh, face in the field. Um, but I think really figuring out where you need to go, what you need to do to get there, how you're going to measure it, and know when you get there and what's enough is so critical. Otherwise, um, we will all drown, drown in a sea of, uh, of cybersecurity tools that are half implemented or um, not implemented. I think things like TrustMap are just a, a wave of the future and we're going to have to, the future is now if we're going to um, rationally spend the money that we're getting uh, and most importantly, to reduce risk. Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate the input and feedback. Everyone, that was Aaron Pritz uh, with Reveal Risk. And if you want to get a hold of Aaron, Aaron, how can folks reach you? Uh, just go out to revealrisk.com and all of our contact information is there and uh, would love to hear from you if you have any needs. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Remember, listeners of the podcast can schedule a free trial of TrustMap at trustmap.com slash business. Now let's get back to the show. Let's take healthcare. So I'm a, let's say I'm a resident of uh, San Diego. Mm-hmm. I leave San Diego and I travel to uh, New York. And I visit New York and suddenly I, I get um, um, ill or uh, I, I maybe broke a limb or something of that nature. I go to the hospital. I need health care. Now, by proxy of my residence in California, have I just put that healthcare provider in scope of CCPA? Actually, no. Okay. The uh, CCPA actually carves out specifically HIPAA and Gramm-Leach-Bliley and a few other elements as being out of scope for this particular law. Okay. So that's a sigh of relief for yes. those in uh, uh, some financial services yeah. as well as healthcare. Uh, Absolutely. Industries. Anybody who is uh, required to comply with GLB or HIPAA, they have their own compliance issues to worry about, and so CCPA will not be one of them. Okay, very good. So we've answered four of the, our, our four top questions, which are very important, and we answered them all yes, which is equally important. And so now I have to go into a little bit more detail here. And I, if one of these questions is right, only one, then you're in. Oh, okay. So I have four questions for you. So you had the first bank of questions, four of them. They all had to be yes. Mm-hmm. We, we met that uh, goal. Now the second batch of four here, let's start with number one, which is are you an entity that controls or is controlled by a business and that shares a common branding with those businesses? So would this be a case of – we are owned by Umbrella Company A, mm-hmm. but we're conducting business under brand B. Mm-hmm. Is that an example? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, what if I say no and we're operating as company A and as brand A directly to the buyer? 
Okay. Well, that in that case, we can we can say that uh, we'll we'll set that aside for right now. Okay. Uh, let's ask the the next question. Do your gross revenues, gross revenues, exceed twenty five million um, annually? Let's say yes. Okay. Yeah. That sounds so. They in that case, I wouldn't even have to ask the last two questions. Uh, if you want to hear them, I'll be happy to give them to you. Hold but, on a second. Yes. Why do not I not need to be asked the last two? Because I've already checked enough boxes. Y- exactly. Okay. I, uh, I for my part, in order to kind of wrap my head around scope. uh, the scoping issue, I turn this into a flow chart. And the flow chart really helps because it has these and or uh, decision okay. arrows so that you you know where to go and how to go. So because I said I'm over twenty five million, yep. I'm automatically in scope for CCPA. Because you answered the first four questions affirmatively. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is an iterative process as you described. Let's say no, I'm a twenty million dollar business. Okay, very good. Do you derive more than 50% of your annual revenues from selling customers or consumers, excuse me, personal information. Interesting. No, I collect that information to market to the customer directly, but I do not resell that information according to our own privacy policy on our website, let's say. Okay, that's very good. One gotcha on that is the definition of selling. Now, okay. well, how do you, you know, how do you, how would you how define would I uh, selling? So, I would say that we would, you know, if you're going to sell a list or contact information, it, you're going to exchange that for some monetary trade, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's from my perspective. Yeah. yeah, for for the benefit of the other party and the benefit of of myself, mm-hmm. if I'm the selling party. Mm-hmm. And that's a you know that's a, a pretty standard uh, definition of selling that that sure. we all understand. Yeah. Under this law, selling is actually quite broad. Uh, let me give a couple examples. The, is selling in this case might mean renting, hmm. releasing, disclosing, disseminating, making available, transferring or otherwise communicating orally or in writing or by electronic or other means a consumer's personal information by the business to another business or a third party for monetary purposes, for monetary benefit. So you're seeing here that selling now becomes a much wider category. Yeah, absolutely. So what if the circumstance is that uh, we've seen this happen many times already? Somebody misconfigures a server and they accidentally expose customer data online uh, for a period of time. Would that fall into this category of making available or disclosing personal information? It's an interesting question. I would say probably not. And the reason is that you're not receiving any sort of monetary benefit from that. In fact, you're, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's a negative. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so in that circumstance, that would probably result in a breach, which is <laughs> which is part. Well, that's what uh, I was curious about. Yeah. Can CCPA come down and, and fine you for disclosing information uh, in just this context alone, right? Just this context alone, yeah. uh, making available disclosing um, even though there isn't necessarily uh, perhaps intention to do so. Yeah, that that would definitely – that would be under the part of the law that talks about breach. Gotcha. 
just want to make it clear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me so uh, let me just rehash this whole chart for you because we we've gone a long way through this. First, I asked you if you were a nonprofit. You said no because we now know that nonprofits are out mm-hmm. of CCPA, and that should give a lot of uh, folks a sigh of relief. Then uh, the question is: Do you do business in California, specifically with uh, with, with California consumers? You said yes. Then you then we asked do you collect information, personal information about California citizens, use or residents. You said yes. Then I asked you do you determine the means and the purposes, and you said yes. And so we got to that point. Then we moved down the line, and I asked you about controllership. Are you controlling or are you controlled by another company? You said no. Okay, fine. We'll go to the next question. Is your are your annual gross uh, revenues twenty five mil or more? Mm-hmm. You said we, we played both we sides. We played of that. both sides. Yeah. The the next question is that we got into this uh, issue of selling was: Do you derive greater than fifty percent of annual revenues from selling personal information? This might have uh, the effect of widening one's understanding of what selling means mm-hmm. as they try to figure out if they're in or out of scope. This really creates some discipline and with other departments or other business processes that an organization may have to to properly understand um, how that information is being used and who the partners are that may partake in leveraging that information, even if it's not direct monetary gain. It may be a secondary or just a, a what do they call it, residual gain, yep. mm-hmm. uh, not, a, not a direct gain. Right. Uh, sort of a side revenue stream or correct, something of right. that nature. Yeah. yeah it, it, so it's really seeking to, the, the, the uh, scoping part of the law really seeks to try to uh, grab as many types of businesses as possible. Yeah. And uh, the last question, if you were to have said no to all those questions about uh, gross revenues and uh, being $25 million and that over 50%, the last question is, do we buy, sell, or share personal information of over 50,000 California citizens or wow. California residents? And 50, so you had, asked, you had asked earlier, you hmm. said, is there a threshold? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's a threshold, but it's actually at the end of my – uh, process flow here, my decision flow. Okay. So, so what if I say no? We are at forty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. Okay. And you're splitting hairs. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly am. Yeah. But humor me. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. When you're at that, when you're at that sort of a ceiling, and you haven't hit the ceiling yet, but you're a quarter of an inch away. <laughs> You might as well prepare. Uh, for you it. may be. Yeah, it may be in your best interest. Yeah. Let's let's say no. I'm at twenty thousand. We have twenty thousand records of California citizens in our database. Right. If you answered no to all the, the last four questions that I had put yeah. out, uh, the but you answered yes to all the ones above. Okay. Guess what? You're not in. You had to, you in order. You had to answer yes to all the questions I said first. Those first four questions to be qualified as. So that's your first level of qualification, and that means again that CCPA would not apply to us, right? Okay. In, in the case that you just specified, okay. yes. Okay. Even though you collect and control the means and purposes or purposes and means yep. of personal information, okay. the fact that you are below a threshold. The reason for this is very clear. 
small businesses are going to be de- would be deeply impacted if they had to yeah. uh, comply with this law the same way large companies do. Well, and then think about small businesses in California, particularly, mm-hmm. are almost at a you know at a disadvantage simply based on their geography right. and the law. Because if you're a small business in California, typically, then you're you know, first customers through the history of your company are going to be in California. Yeah. Right. As that's that's uh, interesting. And if you think about Silicon Valley and all of the startups with one, two, three uh, people in the company that, that, uh, you know, you'd certainly look at that and say, wow, that's a pretty small company. But those companies may be touching very large numbers of possible uh, users or consumers Mm-hmm. And this law thinks about that. It says, you know what? The next social media platform. Exactly. Yeah. We don't care if you've got three people working for the company. You've got a, a user base of one million. Mm-hmm. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that becomes a big burden. Uh, it could. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. Certainly not going to be as complicated as if you have multiple departments and multiple information systems and so on and so forth. Three people can probably get it done. Uh, well, well, they'll need some help, especially if uh, folks start to exercise their, the rights that they've been given under CCPA. Like the right to be forgotten, probably like the, the most important. Right? Like the right to be forgotten. Yeah. Uh, probably the one that's going to give folks, uh, it's going to be interesting for folks. And I haven't had enough data in the field yet to know just how uh, profoundly this impacts folks, is the right to, uh, to access your personal information that is held by a company or an entity. Does that mean uh, you could send them a Word document with the information you have or sure. a spreadsheet? Yeah. Is that it does, yes. define it, access? Uh, it does. Okay. It basically, access means you, you are okay. uh, going to give the individual, the requester, mm-hmm. a copy of the information you have. Now, if you can imagine uh, some of the large social platforms, I've heard stories of people getting several thousand pages of information because they've been very active on social media. So you can imagine that that the social media giants out there uh, likely have a small army of people whose sole purpose is to address these requests for access and these requests for deletion. The request for deletion, by the way, and access can be automated. And in fact, some of the large... Uh, social media providers do provide uh, automated tools. Nonetheless, not every company has that uh, level of sophistication. Uh, it might be a little bit more difficult, especially if you've got lots and lots of systems and old database uh, still being powered in the back, uh, you know, throwing steam into the steam engine to power it. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, personal data, as we know, lurks everywhere. And so to be able to say definitively, yep, we've given you access to everything we got, that's going to be tough. Well, if you were to leave our listeners, Adam, and you covered a lot of excellent points today, and as always talking to you, I learned something um, in every conversation we have. What is, what is maybe the one thing you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, to contemplate or, or just to remember even uh, in regards to the CCPA uh, regulation? That's a great question, and I appreciate it. Both GDPR and CCPA 
bring some new obligations or, or they, they actually, they aren't so new and they're all built along a, uh, a set of principles that were, have been defined for us for years in different shapes and forms, both w- uh, within Europe, but also within the United States, especially at the federal government level. One of the things that I think organizations n- need to consider is that these laws require organizations to have a better handle of what personal data they have and where that stuff is at. If you can have that understanding, it will greatly improve the efficiency of a process when you have somebody requesting access. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where your data is... It's pretty hard to give a definite answer. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, for this podcast and for the folks who appreciate this podcast, fo- folks in the security world have the exact same problem. In fact, in the security world, uh, the, the old uh, adage is, is that we come in and we say, where's the gold? And uh, normally uh, our clients will look at us kind of dumbfounded. They'll say, up, up, up. you know, I don't know where it is. And we go on a journey to look for the gold. Well, this is yet another reminder that we need to know where that gold is. And we need to, to uh, keep records of it so that we can remember the next time we have to go looking for it. We have the treasure map. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So data flows and understanding data flows and Putting them down on a piece of paper are really, really important for for complying with these both of these laws. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your insights and for spending time with our audience today. I appreciate it. With this, we'll conclude the podcast with Adam Stone of Secure Digital Solutions on uh, the CCPA privacy regulation. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to the Business of Security podcast. A special thanks to today's guest, Adam Stone. Our host today was Chad Beckman, founder and CEO of Secure Digital Solutions. Connect with Chad on LinkedIn and learn more about Secure Digital Solutions online at TrustSDS.com. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more information about the launch of Season 3. You've been listening to the Business of Security podcast, and that's a wrap.